All right. Well, I normally start out with a good evening or good morning, but I'm just going to say morning and evening because it is nor good nor okay for me. This one's going to be a struggle to get through. We're recording on a Sunday in just mere hours after Arsenal bottle 2 nothing lead again. So I'm just happy to see your two smiling faces and get the conversation of the title race, how how close it is now, how how we predict it happening, and the hot news and everything from this weekend's action. I like doing this on a Sunday because everything's kind of fresh, everything's good. I think everyone is in the same EPL state of mind as we are. So it's exciting to do it again. We'll be dropping this as our usual time frame on Tuesday, so I'm not sure what will happen between now and then other than the Liverpool game, which is tomorrow. But we do have some hot news to go against. But first of all, a little round of applause and a welcome back for the one and only hot king, Kyle Mansley. He has returned from his spiritual. Ah, uh, good to be here. And <laughs> good to be here. Of Ireland. Especially this so how week. How you doing, Kyle? Doing well. Doing well. I missed you guys. You know, I missed you it's, too. Uh, it's, it's tough taking a couple of weeks off the podcast. It, it, this is such a good time. I look forward to it every week. But, you know, we have a great week of soccer. A lot of unbelievable goals this week. I, I'm. Just excited to dive right in. I know. You came back at a good time. Uh, Sean and I were starting to get worried that we'd never see you again. And to be honest with you, I think we were both semi-okay with it. But, uh, you know, we're going to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That Arsenal tie him. is still lingering, huh, James? <laughs> I have to get him in now. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to be able to for the remainder of the, of the cast. But why don't we go ahead and, and get started? We don't have too much hot news because most of the action was on the pitch this week. Uh, whether that be punches thrown on the pitch or uh, symbolic punches thrown off the pitch. We have a couple things happening here. And the first one is Manchester United. Now, we all have talked about how many strides Man U has made over the course of the season in really becoming a fierce big six top four competitor again. And most of it was because of their their health, their way that they were able to roster their team and still have a really good program going on there. Fortunately, they have come across a bit of an injury bug, and the latest victim is Lissandro Martinez. He is ruled out for the remainder of the season with a broken metatorsal in his foot during the 2-2 draw versus Sevilla in the Europa League. So obviously a big, big blow for their chances in the European tournament this season and a possible setback for their top four race against Tottenham and Newcastle. So it'll be interesting to see what the Red Devils will be able to do because they're also out of uh, the pairing of his center back, Varane, until the end of April, which is not too far away already. But I know, Sean, this was your note head, uh, your note here that uh, they are going to be replacing him with Slabhead McGuire. And will <laughs> it be crucial for Man U's push to win Europa League, FA Cup, and finish top four? So we saw the slab head of Maguire in full force this weekend. You want to talk about that a little bit and, and what this injury means, Sean? Yeah, I mean, they did beat Nottingham Forest this morning, 2-0 victory, kept the clean sheet. So obviously that's a, a you know strong start. But just given how important the next even two weeks are for Manchester United, uh, you have the FA Cup fixture against Brighton uh, this coming weekend. You also have the second leg against Sevilla in the Europa League. Um, so it's it's a huge loss, and especially with with Varane going down as well, uh, puts a ton of pressure on that Manchester United back line to step up. It'll be interesting to see if if Ten Hag gets creative and moves one of his uh, center, or excuse me, one of his fullbacks being either Shaw or Juan Basaka inside to center back, or if he just sticks with Lindelof and Maguire. But 
two big blows. It'll be interesting to see how they try to overcome that um, over the next couple of weeks uh, without Varane. But um, obviously a huge loss for, for United losing Martinez for the rest of the year. We did see Luke Shaw make a feature as a center back early in the season, I believe. Yep. And that worked out well for him. I think they won the games that he started back there. And I think that was when McGuire was going through a lot of issues regarding, you know, off threats and whatnot, because he's McGuire and he's been dealing with that the whole beginning half of the season. So it will be interesting. So sure. I not to mention, match, I don't think actually the second, the, the one where they beat city at old Trafford was where Luke Shaw was in center back. Yeah. And one, yes, I mean, not? one good thing for them too, which I will say, I love nothing more than shitting on Bruno Fernandez. He's one of my <laughs> least favorite players in the Premier League. But since he has joined, I read this week that only he and Messi have 50 goals and 50 assists in like in all competition throughout all the leagues, anything it takes. But that's, that's pretty elite. I'll, I'll give him that one. For sure. Yeah. So you're going to have to have a lot of the big names like him step up while you're in the absence of maybe a, a very structurally sturdy defense, um, which would help with people who can score goals. But I, I didn't see Rashford, I believe, was out today as well, right? Still with his groin issue that he picked up um, during the last English Premier League match, right? Yeah. So he could be out for another two, three weeks. You never know with muscular injury like that. Sure. But moving on from another from the Red Devils to Liverpool. Uh, we got a little tidbit of information as the run-in is happening and the season is starting to get to its close. The transfer rumors are starting to spark again. And one that sparked this week was that they are pulling out of the Jude Bellingham race. Uh, typically and originally, he they were the favorites. You know, if this was last season, I think we would be saying it's pretty much as good as done. But since they've had a bit of a poor season and doesn't look like they will have European football other than possibly Conference League, uh, we could see them slip in the head of uh, the Bellingham race. And right now it looks like Man City and, and Real Madrid are leading that race. So that that leaves us with one question is, is who is going to fill the void in the center? Is it one person? Is it two players? And I know, Sean, you and I spoke about this briefly, and I know you were super stoked to hear who was linked with, uh, with you guys immediately entering the Declan Rice race is Liverpool FC. So what, what are your thoughts on, on them pulling out of this good, bad, the right time, and who would you like to see? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's disappointing because he's, you know, such a superstar. He's 19 years old, already playing at the top level at Dortmund and, you know, considered one of the best midfielders, you know, of the next decade, potentially. Um, so it's obviously disappointing when you step away. But when you look at, at Liverpool from a, the big picture perspective, they need a lot more than one player. Um, and that's kind of what you and I were getting into about earlier in the week. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think Rice is really any any much uh, of a better buy either considering he's going to run you at least 100 million so if you're mm -hmm. you're shying away from Bellingham at at you know 140 don't go for rice for 100 uh the guy i would yeah. like to see them go after is moises caicedo from brighton talked about him a ton on the podcast i think he reminds me a lot of genie one um and i think he'd be a good fit for what they need but they also need another probably two um you know eights or central midfielders ahead of him as well whether that be Matthias Nunez from Wolves, maybe Mason Mount from Chelsea, or, or Connor Gallagher as well as another guy that's been linked. But um, we'll be interesting to kind of see where they go. But obviously this one's a little bit of a disappointment when you know they've been linked to Bellingham for the last two years. Yeah. And, and I mentioned this earlier in the week, and I don't know why people aren't really talking about this, but it might be because everyone thinks he's still locked with Chelsea even though he's on his last season. But what about Conte? He's, not, he's leaving for free, supposedly. His contract's up, right? 
would you take him on a free transfer and go maybe one or two a little bit harder, get someone who's a little bit younger in the center? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I don't know if they would, they'd be willing to put the wages up that you need to get a guy like Conte. Um, and I do think they need to get younger and also less injury prone. Uh, that's a big part of it. Obviously, they mm -hmm. have guys who are quality. Tiago and uh, Fabinho obviously were at one time considered world-class midfielders, but a big problem with them is fitness. So, I, you know, personally, I would shy away from Conte if I was in that position. Yeah, makes sense to me. I'd be interested in, and that's one of my personal one of my personal watches that I'll be on the hunt for to see where he ends up. I hope he's not still at Chelsea, but it could be. We'll see. But that's all we have in the hot news. So we're going to take a two-second break. We'll put on the fun music, and then we have a ton of games to highlight ah, from this weekend. I've missed so the music. Kyle, you're, you are <laughs> you're ready to go. So we're going to get right into it. So as much as I love emceeing, I think sometimes I become a little bit too biased and I can go on a bit of a rant with uh, with that and all things Arsenal. So I, I would love to hear the angelic voice of uh, Sean emcee these next two segments real quick, or at least the, the look, not the look ahead, but the two games we have first, which is Arsenal, West Ham, which happened this morning, and Man City, Leicester, which was yesterday. So go ahead, Sean, take it away. Music to my ears. Yeah, <laughs> so we got we have Arsenal-West Ham. It was a draw, 2-2 uh, at the London Stadium, which is a, obviously a big point for West Ham, but more importantly, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's a huge drop two points for Arsenal, um, who looked to be cruising after going up 2-0 in the first 20 minutes of the match. Um, but for the second time in two weeks, uh, they fumbled that bag and ended up with a draw. Um, so Tess... I will open the forum. You get exactly 90 seconds to go on a rant. Let's hear your thoughts on this match. I mean, you, you nailed it. We dropped the bag two weeks in a row going up 2-0. I think we went up 2-0 within the first 11 minutes of this match. So it's even even more insane how we, for the remainder of the 80-minute game, can't put one more goal in with the, with the incredible top three, top four that we have now up there. You can't get a third goal in. But I'm going to pin it on defense on this one. You don't have to score three goals to win a game, and you definitely don't have to score three goals to win a game against West Ham. What really happened here is we got exactly what we wanted, a hot start, 2 nothing, and at that point, it's just play our game, possess the ball, and be solid in the back. And unfortunately, we we weren't. We had an extremely large error right at uh, Thomas Party, turned the ball over, caused a penalty kick for Gabriel, who I don't know why he's going down like that right there. Yeah. There was no shot he was going to get a ball like that anyway. Get a penalty kick. West Ham capitalized. The score was 2-0 at the time. Again and again, 2-0, the most dangerous score. They got the momentum. We enter the half, just similar to Liverpool, down uh, up by one. We have an opportunity where Saka, who's been so, so good at the penalty spot ever since his miss at the Euros, misses it like Mo Salah, wide left, which would have put a bow on the bag, in my opinion. If we put that in, 3-1, West Ham's done. But we fumble it. We have a, a very laxatasical uh press out of the box where you have Bowen who drops back a little bit and is able to just sneak behind the back line for a half volley from just a little floater from the midfield from West Ham. And they tie it two two. It was a deserved point for West Ham and deserved lost two points for Arsenal. They make my life and their life a lot more difficult with this run in. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately this was one, this is one of the games, you know, I anticipate us to, to drop points 
I expected us to drop points against Liverpool. I expect us to drop points against Man City. I wasn't expecting them to drop points against West Ham. And that's 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 a make or break moment for me in the in the league right now. So just really upsetting. It took me about an hour and a half to sulk um, from it this morning. But I, I'm out of it now. And, uh, and I'm ready to move on to next week uh, on Friday's match where we should now win 5 nothing against Southampton just to prove a point here. Yeah. No, I, I think that, that summarizes it really well. Um, and and I, I do have to concur with you. I think defense obviously plays a big part. Um, you know, being without Gabriel, or excuse me, without Saliba for the last couple of matches, it shows they don't look quite as, as strong. And Gabrielle's uh, performances have kind of suffered, I would say, more than anyone's, um, you know, without without his partner next to him. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Zinchenko being, being banged up for this one too didn't help. No. I mean, Kieran Tierney is a better defender. I think everyone's been saying that with him. And yeah, I was shocked because I actually saw him playing quite an impressive uh, inverted uh, right back, uh, left back. You never see Kieran in the in the pitch, but at one point, Jesus was playing a center back, and Kieran Tierney was up all the way on the on the left side. So you know, I know he's trying to fit into the roster a little bit more. So I always appreciate Tierney, and you know, just a shout out to to Rob Holding, who's been you know holding it as much as he can, no pun intended, uh, while he's replacing Saliba. But you're right, it's just not the same back, and we we it would cost us today. I think it yeah. cost us today. Obviously, I think a large part of the blame has to unfortunately fall upon Starboy, uh, Saka for missing a penalty that could have sealed the deal, but um, it's a team. So it's going to be all of them on this one. For sure. Um, and just moving on down to the team that is now hot on the heels of the Gunners. Uh, we have Kyle's Man City at the Etihad winning 3-1 against uh, Leicester Woo! City. No Robot new manager bounce on display. Kyle, take it away. Give us your rundown uh, of this performance. Where to start? I mean, that is that is the perfect 10. That's 10 straight. That's it's glorious. Um, we'll start off with John Stones. I mean, start of the game, five minutes in. Unbelievable volley. Very composed. It looked very easy for him, but it was not. It just very composed finish right there, especially for a center back. Um, moving on to Holland, he nets two, of course, classic. I mean, he was minus 300 <laughs> to score a goal in this game. That was the odds. Yeah. That's absurd. <laughs> Um, he's averaging a goal every 70 minutes on the soccer field right now. And those two goals tie him with the all-time Premier League record. He's already broken the record for most goals by a Premier League player throughout all competition for one season. But this is, I mean, eight games left. He's tied. It's just a matter of, like James said earlier, will he get 40? That is the benchmark now, in my opinion. Yeah, Um, he's going to get it. I mean, this is staggering. I saw the stat today. I almost didn't believe it. But for his sh- each time he shoots, it's a 40% conversion rate. Wow. Which is staggering. And then a 60% shot accuracy. So more than half of his shots are on target. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah moving that, that on to the like other half. sounds like our Zog rec league ratio right <laughs> yeah, there. Seriously. <laughs> um, on the other half of the ball, the assists, that's 15 for Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, it was De Bruyne to Holland. We've seen it time and time again. But he has 75 chances created in the Premier League this season with the guy in second having 54, which is Saka. He's, I mean, that's crazy that it's Saka because he's having the season of his life. But, I mean, there is a clear difference of one and two for De Bruyne right now. He's having quite a season. Yep. Um, moving on to the second half, I thought it was very poor. Very poor from City. 
They lost the second half one nothing. They didn't really have heart. They sat on their heels, and Ianacho got a great reflex goal. Good for him. I love Ianacho. He's been playing very well this season. And, I mean, Leicester didn't quit. They came out swinging and straight up beat us. I, Pep was not happy about that as well. He shouldn't be. It's, you know, if you don't have the luxury of the three-goal lead, that's the sloppy play that makes you lose titles. So we're coming down to the closing stages. You got to be tight. You got to be very conformed. It's it's sloppy. For sure. You also put in, what, every second-string player, I think, on your bench at that point in the second half. But still, you know, it would have been, been a huge fumble as well if, if Leicester – they had two really good opportunities where they just missed that they could have – potentially tied that game you know three three after the the first one goes in and then the second one possibly goes in but it, it was a lot closer than i thought it would be and a lot of it was just because your your roster you threw in the second half was just not not the same obviously if it's the same team maybe you guys go on and win that five nothing or something like that but that yeah, was I mean, an interesting way it's the late goals you know i mean even last week against southampton you win four to one and you let up a goal in the 72nd mm-hmm. it's you got to stay, you know, focused on defense, even when you have the lead, that's how you win titles. For sure. But um, <laughs> granted you have a four or three goal lead at the time going into the 70th minute. I guess you can take a back seat for a little, but uh, it's still sloppy in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, listen, at this point, the way city is playing, you're almost looking for your, for, you know, holes to poke because they're playing so well. You can only find, you know, a little moment of, you know, a lapse in concentration here or there, but to be honest, they they are just unbelievable right now. They kind of look to be in the same form that they were in eighteen nineteen when I think they won every game from February onward in the Prem. Um, so it really does seem hard to see them, you know, slipping up now and and losing. But obviously, that game on the twenty sixth looms very large, fellas. Uh, that yeah. that looks like it's going to decide the title. Um, one bitter note for me, I just want to say, Mo Salah achieved thirty four goals with only one penalty. Erling Holland has eight. Yeah. So, what are you trying to say? Yeah, De Bruyne just name. dishing it. Like I think Kyle, you said it too. Um, a well-placed cone could score goals. Yeah. Well, Sean, what I City take side. from that comment is that Erling Holland's a better penalty taker than Mo Salah. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair point. Enough. I can't even argue that one. Uh, how many? How many penalties has a Man City player scored in a UCL final? That's all I want to know. Oof. It's zero. I have zero. no comment, okay. I I have no comment to that question. All right, moving on. So we got Aston Villa. 3 nothing victory for them <laughs> over over Newcastle United at Villa Park. Uh, Ollie Watkins. Tess, do you want to take it away from here? Or 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 Kyle, whoever. I mean, you got to talk about this guy right now. He's probably the most informed player in the league. I mean, yeah, I, I, I watched the game. But it, it was really fun to watch Ollie Watkins and his element. He's on right now. And when he's on, he's scoring goals. So he actually netted three. He was offsides by a matter of inches for his first goal. And that was, you know, he did the crazy celebration. Everyone thought it was in, da 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 And then it was really disappointing being taken away. And then two minutes later, he scored another one. And then had, like, an actual celebration, you could say, because he tried to stay quiet during the first, and then he went crazy, which was really <laughs> fun to watch. And then, I mean, the announcer said it best on his second goal is, when you're hot, you're hot, and the ball finds you. Because yep. he was just standing in the box in a good position, and the ball went through five players and found it, found its way to his right foot, and he slotted it in. So uh, I'm happy for him. I think he's going to have a couple more goals this season if he stays on pace like this. 
Um, in other news, that's a massive win, in my opinion, for Aston Villa, taking down Newcastle. Newcastle's yeah, hot huge. right I, now. Personally, I mean, it's not even personal. They have one of the best defenses in soccer, football right now. There's no ifs, ands, yeah, or buts about a, it. This was the second time that they let up more than two goals in a single game, and the first time was against City in right? yeah. league. So to score three goals against Newcastle is a gigantic feat, especially if you're Aston Villa, who I don't think anyone really saw coming into form other than Unai Emery himself. And he's a, a massive reason why they're doing so. But to score three, um, uh, that was a scoreline that I was surprised when I woke up and I saw that for sure. Yeah. Very impressive. And just to, to piggyback off what you, you said, talking about Unai Emery, um, I think he's arguably been the manager of the year. Uh, obviously, if Arteta wins the league with Arsenal, it will be him. But if he doesn't, I would say Emery's probably the next runner-up. Um, when he took over after 11 games, Villa sat in 17th place. Fast forward 19 games later, they're all the way up to 6th place, sitting in a Europa League spot um, and, and playing some of the best football in the league. So all the, all the credit to the good evening master, uh, Unai Emery, for yeah. Gunners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was funny because as soon as I saw that they won three nothing against Newcastle, I I I knew that they didn't. But I was like, tell me that Man City still has to play Aston Villa because that could be that could be a problem for them. I was like, tell me that they still have to play. Him. Of course, they don't have to play them, so <laughs> nothing there. But so you know, at least we don't have to play them either. So let me ask: there are six points out of Champions League soccer right now, and the two guys ahead of them that they can reasonably catch would be Newcastle and Tottenham, with Tottenham looking like garbage right now. I think they're going to keep dropping. And if they just beat Newcastle, is there hope for Champions League soccer or football? I mean, they don't have to make it, in my opinion, they only have to make it. If everything happens as you would want it to happen, Kyle, they only have to make it to fifth place. If Man City is to go and win the Champions League, the fifth place team in the English Premier League will be in Champions League football, which could be Aston Villa, which would be insane. But I think that would be really, really cool. I think Tottenham uh, and Aston Villa, do they, do they still have to play each other? I, I think there's yeah, a bigger chance of City missing Champions League soccer from financial so, fair play than us I, winning. Yeah. <laughs> I think fifth place would – they they might make it on fifth place for a couple yeah, of reasons here. That's true too. Um, the only thing against Villa's top four hopes is their last five matches. Uh, they have to go away to Man United – they have to go away to Tottenham. They have to play Liverpool, and they have to play Brighton. So, and the, those last three games I mentioned are their last three of the season. So, you know, they really need to to bank as many points as they can now because I don't see them going, you know, unbeaten over the, that last five game run. I think it's just too too difficult against teams who are also competing for Europe. Um, I think mm-hmm. Champions League is probably out of their grasp personally. Um, definitely possible with the form they're in, but I think more likely that they finish in one of those Europa League spots. But um, keeping on the subject of Europa League, let's let's slide on over to uh, to Brighton Chelsea. So the win for the Seagulls at Stamford Bridge, their first win in London all year. James, you need to watch this yeah. match. Give us some of your takeaways. Yeah. So this was I, I put a little money on this one too because my lock of the week was Crystal Palace but I, I was going on a bird run here so I was I was hoping the seagulls would perform as well and like you said first win at London and first time winning at Stamford Bridge uh, which is not a super easy thing to do but I know Brighton was cel- were celebrating like it was a final because it's always impressive to to, to win you know against a, a big six team and especially since they are you know the size 
of a very small P in, in, in the eyes of Todd Bowley. So, I mean, it was, it was great to see because it, it, in the beginning, they went down one, nothing. It looked like Frank Lampard, Kyle's Jesus Christ and savior uh, thought that he might've come to a pretty good form with his starting 11. And uh, even with a, a significant injury in the back for Chelsea of, of Koulibaly uh, versus Madrid, he pulled up with a, with a, a, a muscular injury and in, I believe it was his hamstring um, and still missing Thiago Silva, who I Silva, who I believe they're saving for the Champions League game this week. The, the side that Chelsea put out was a decent one. You know, uh, Christian Pulisic started again on the side, which I thought something that that they pr- probably could have brought in a little bit earlier. I think he's probably gone in the summertime, but it, it was not a bad starting eleven. It showed that Chelsea were on the upper hand for the first 15, 20 minutes of the match. Um, you know, and Mikhailo Mudrik was giving the right-hand side of um, Brighton's defense issues all game with his pace. So to me, the first 20 minutes looked like Chelsea could come away with something, especially with Connor Gallagher getting his first goal in a while there, coming off of a, 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 dunk, a, a dunk deflection uh, where Brighton really didn't have an opportunity there. But Brighton did exactly what we anticipated, and they came back and played exactly how they've been playing. I think they had 26 shots in the game, Whew. and it was just seriously a bombardment of Brighton for, for progressive attacking. It was really, if you watch the game, it's the proper way to play soccer, and they just got the ball down the field as much as possible. For me, the big change in this, uh, I guess the big moment in this game was when in the 28th minute when left-back Joel Veltman was uh, – running back to stop the roadrunner, which is Mikhailo Mudrik. And he came up with a muscle injury as well because he just can't spin his wheels as fast as, as Mudrik. So he came up and this is, this forced uh, Brighton. Uh, does Zebra, uh, Zerby? Is it Zerby, right? Zerby. Zerby. Zerby to, to make three changes. One, he had to bring in a new player for uh, the injury, but he had to shift McAllister back to play against Casado, uh, Casado because he had to sh- uh, switch Gross to the right back position for the injured player. And he brought in the 19 year old $11 million Paraguayan Julio and CISO uh, from a team that I have never heard of before because it's in Paraguayan league called Liber- Libertad um, and for his 11th appearance of uh, the English Premier League campaign. Uh, he, to me, was the game changing player he came in he played the central midfielder role to a t he possessed the ball his his direction with ball and his vision was fantastic he really was the game winner uh the match player or the the man of the match for me not only because he scored a beautiful rocket from outside the box that i don't think a single keeper on the face of the planet could have stopped but because he actually was involved in over six chances as well and hit the woodwork once this kid who's 19 years old is one that we're going to be talking about with Brighton's recruitment. So like the great uh, Slim Shady said, would the Brighton South American scouting team please stand up because you <laughs> are doing the best job that you could possibly be doing. They are absolutely murdering it. And you have the note here uh, that they from, you know, South American scouts brought in Alex- Alexis McAllister, Moises Casado. Uh, and say so now. I mean, they are only bringing out winners here. And just just the fact that he's 19-year-old, came into a one nothing deficit, really controlled the game. He looked like a professional out there. It was really impressive. It was really fun to see. 
Matomo always gets a shout out from us because he played really, really well too. Anytime the ball got onto that left side, it, you get concerned when you're playing against him. So they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. With And I think that Aston Villa-Brighton game will be really intense as well. So I think it was great. Um, Brighton did take a little bit of a blow with Ferguson ending the match early. He came off with, I believe it was either an ankle injury or a lower leg injury as well. Uh, but Danny Welbeck came in for him and he scored his, he scored the tying goal, I believe. So it was, yeah, he scored the tying goal. So when you have an experienced striker like Danny Welbeck coming in for the inexperienced but very inform Ferguson it's never a bad trade-off overall I thought was a really really intense game and it 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 definitely was one to view again for sure yeah yeah piggybacking off that too um Frank Lampard as a manager is (laughs) killing it there isn't a manager in the world that could have done anything about Enciso's strike so if you're gonna lose that's the way to lose. All you right, know, moving on. Take moving the blame off him. Let's let's let's. Well, not so even the other actual point would be a uh, think Frank Lampard's a good manager. Listen, I'm not putting up with this. I'm going to use your own word against you. <laughs> he's he's it's unbelievable. Malarkey. It's malarkey. It is absolutely not, not malarkey. The uh, the boring. actual point though is Mudrick. I thought he looked commanding, controlling, and confident. I mean, all those he, did. he actually, for the first time in my opinion, started dribbling. Not it almost felt like he didn't want to pass, which mm-hmm. is how you should be if you're that talented. So I'm going to make a little hot take here. I'm going to say in the last eight games, he's going to have at least six goal contributions. I think he's finding himself and he's going to start becoming that man. I did. (laughs) Whether whether they have Who's scoring him? But look look to Mudrich to become a a solid player on that team, you know, assisting and scoring and actually taking control of the field. Yeah, there's no doubt that I think Chelsea has the talent. And I, I put two little tables up here. It's the Brighton's 2022 to 2023 salaries versus Chelsea's 2022 to 2023 salary total. And I just want to point out one, two, two numbers. One, the total one for Brighton is 35,685 pounds. That's all of their salaries combined. That's goalies, forwards, midfielders, and defensemen. Chelsea, midfielders alone, because we're talking about Modric. They have spent, or their salaries total, £90,350,000. That is almost three times more than Brighton's entire roster, which is insane. Yep. So it's one, Frank Lampard, you got to be doing better with what you got. Any coach has got to be doing better with what you got. Two, Brighton, again, congratulations. Please stand up. You are killing it with the talent that you are getting at such a great value. And three, Chelsea is an absolute dumpster fire, just a complete dumpster fire that they're not going to be able to turn this around, whether or not they're spending in forwards, they've got 31 million and midfield, you have 90 million. You should be scoring a goal every single game. You should be scoring two goals every single game. So your prediction should be true, but it's not going to be true, which is brutal. But one thing that we can count on is the the consistent inconsistency of another London team, and that is Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, they took a bad, bad L against your favorite team to go down to the championship this season, the Cherries, Kyle. So ever since you said that, I think they have won every single game. So right now, uh, Bournemouth beat Tottenham 3-2 to two at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that's a massive away win for Bournemouth and a massive home loss for Tottenham. Um, it's just It's just the typical inconsistency for me. I only caught around the last 10 minutes and it was pretty insane and intense, but 
I know, Sean, you watched a little bit of this. If you want to give a, a bit a lowdown, and then we'll, we'll kind of chime in towards the end because I know we have a, a, a Danjima goal, a Richarlson celebration for a goal uh, that was not a goal. He's now 3-0 and for goals and celebration ratio. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, <laughs> and a really composed uh, player that we'll touch upon once, once the timeline allows. But go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I thought this was a, a pretty entertaining match. Probably for me, the best match of the weekend, just in terms of the quality, uh, you know, and the back and forth nature of it between the two teams. It looked like, you know, Spurs was going to get something out of the game after they they equalized through Arno Danjuma's uh, goal in the 88th minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dango Utra, a January signing they signed from Lorient in France in Ligue 1, uh, scored the winner in this match to give the Cherries the points. Really composed finish uh, for the man from Burkina Faso. Um, so that was that was really a, an, an awesome game going back and forth the whole time. But it really just, again, goes back to how inconsistent Tottenham is. They have yet to string together three consecutive wins in the Premier League all year. Um, and they're just, they're just a mess. Um, and then from the other perspective, again, I'm, I got to give him a shout out. Gary O'Neill, the manager of Bournemouth, has been phenomenal. Uh, especially against the top half of the table. They nearly had that draw against Arsenal at the Emirates a few weeks back. They had a draw with Newcastle, and now they've beaten Liverpool and Tottenham in the last month. So uh, a lot of credit to him, and and really has the, the Cherries cruising towards safety now. Uh, they're, I think, six points clear of the relegation zone. Um, so a huge win for them, and, and we'll kind of see where they can finish. Yeah, they are, they are six points clear with 33 total. Uh, Forrest, who I believe Kyle is another team of yours that said is going to get the chop uh, this season, is is sitting at 18th with 27. So Bournemouth, you know, not looking too bad. So onwards and upwards for the Cherries. Oh, absolutely. And another note for Bournemouth as well is they, they played their wingbacks to perfection, that team. They are a clinic of how you play defensive players that run up the field. I mean, they were involved in almost all their goals. In, in one way or another, and them being upfield is huge. So, if I mean, if you want to learn how to play wingbacks, just watch some Bournemouth highlights right now. They're on a tear. And then it's they also... Go, they get hot, yeah. It's also lovely seeing Richarlison blow the game in the 93rd minute. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, he had an open header. He had, had an wide open, open. open I mean, header. Open header, went fans, wide right. The fans were chanting his name in the 70th minute to get him on the field. So, if the manager listens, and he has a chance from the six-yard box in the 93rd minute off a corner a simple header one that you have to put on target at the very least and he put it seven inches wide of that post like it was it he's was gonna a have a lot of uh like to he's the point have a lot of reflecting to do yeah we got to see a rare moment where harry kane was shaking his head in disappointment of one of his own teammates and that is not characteristic of harry kane he's a leader and a captain and you don't see that often he's he's disappointed in richarlson which i love to see personally but to be yeah, honest, for, for Spurs fans out there, that's that's a tough one. Should, shouldn't Harry Kane be used to it at this point? He's a fucking lifelong Tottenham fan, and he's played with him this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is nothing run of the mill, dude. You should be uh, you should be expecting it, but he, he just never lets it show. Yeah, but uh, no. deep down inside, he has nothing but gallons of tears that he's held within. Uh, just as amount as uh, actually a ton more tears than trophies he has, but roughly the same amount of goals and tears. So I I think it's fair to say that the Kane is, he's at his last wits. Yeah. Yeah, He's got to be on the way out. Right. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, Well, let's move down from, from North London down to South London. Talk about Crystal Palace's two nothing victory over Southampton at St. Mary's. Yeah. 
Nothing incredible on this game other than uh, easy uh, or Eze, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. So this was my lock of the week. Uh, they did win 2 nothing. Uh, both goals coming in the second half. And it was kind of just a regular run-of-the-mill kind of low end of the table game nothing exciting really developing some back and forth Southampton to be honest with you looked like the better team in the first half of the first half um, they have been you know coming out strong as of late uh, the previous game they lost 4-1 against Man City but they came out very strong I believe they went into halftime losing one nothing so they're a very good starting team uh, they're just struggling to find the back of the net and unfortunately when you're sitting in 20th with this amount of games left I think we said it earlier when we were predicting who's going to be relegated. And I said, Southampton, I think it's pretty evident that they will be going down. They're sitting four points beneath forest. Uh, they don't have none of the games for them moving forward is an easy game because they're in 20th. So they have that going against them. But it on the flip side of this game is you have crystal palace who had a really, really dry spell for a while, and they're really coming to form again to the Crystal Palace that we anticipated at the beginning of the season. Well, that's because we now have uh, Hudson back behind the helm, or I think, the, honestly, I think that's probably it. Got a little bit of a manager bounce. The confidence is coming back from the team, the players, specifically the forward-thinking players, even with Zaha out. Um, I think Ayu's got to be, do better. He had maybe two, three open opportunities during this game to put away to keep that confidence ball rolling ball rolling rather but they they performed very well and they have the young star of um of easy and their right winger i believe also uh is still very young um Alisa. who is he sean yeah, you yeah know, he's 21 Alisa. so yeah the two of them are are the i would say the stars now pretty much have kind of uh with with the in, the injuries that zaz had they've kind of become the main men um and just one last note i had on this game obviously Barry Eze, got to give him props for a brace, bringing him up to seven on the season. And I think, to your point, I think you you hit it on the head. Hodgson coming back has been great for the attacking players. Um, they play with a lot more freedom and more confidence on the ball. Um, and and Eze is probably the, the prime example of that. He was pretty much stable to the bench um, since the second half of the season under Vieira and then has become a kind of a crucial player again under Hodgson. But nine goals in three matches under Roy Hodgson, he accounts for – 30% of their goals on the season in these, in these mad yeah. games. <laughs> it's wild. It, it's actually insane. And I don't think Patrick Vieira necessarily was a bad coach. I think he's got a great soccer mind, but it just wasn't clicking. It, it, it went through a dull period and you needed to change something. And I think Crystal Palace found that at the right time and took advantage Agreed. of it. And mm -hmm. it really sparked something new here. Yeah. And they, they do not have a very difficult run in now. So I think Crystal Palace, I would be safe to say that you are staying up again. And whether or not Roy becomes the full-time manager next season, I don't believe he signed a large contract. I think it was just till the end of the season. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what you can do there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not taking anything away from Hodgin, but um, that second goal from Eze, that had nothing to do with the manager. That was just class. Yep. Like yeah, that was a I, gorgeous, gorgeous goal from Eze. Yep. So I mean, it wasn't top in, but he took it in a in a congested it was, space. He it faked the turn. Accurate, yeah. He faced and he shot. Yeah. He's that's all you need. He's to do. one of my favorite players yeah. in the league. Uh, just like so fun, so good on the ball, and he could he could dribble in a phone booth and beat somebody. You know what I mean? He's so good. So that one was fun. Um, speaking of fun, let's 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 get into the big the big focus of today's episode. 
Absolutely. The switch, the, uh, We're going to take a, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Just the, the stadium you're, I mean, you're killing race, on MC and Arsenal City. That's it. We're going to get our prediction, predictions in. We have a little fun questionnaire, and then we're going to go through the final run-in here, the eight games for Man City and seven games for Arsenal. We're going to take our each individual predictions and see how many points everyone gets and whether or not I rage quit out of the podcast or not is is in our, our hands. So we're going to go... We're going to go on a short break here, and then we're going to pop into the towel race. Well, with the return of Kyle, it's only fair that we start to butt heads a little bit more as it gets closer to the end of this, uh, the season and Championship Sunday. Uh, you have been absent for the past two weeks, and I have been filling that Man City void with nothing but Arsenal love. So I think it's only fair upon your return. We give you a quick little second here and, and kind of touch base because I'm curious because we haven't talked too much about it, but where your head is at right now and, and your team and your, and your scope of work that's ahead of you. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, it comes down to the game on the 26th, the Arsenal Man City. That is a there, there are no words for how big that game is for the title race. That's everything. But that tie from Arsenal today gives us the luxury of being able to have one tie. And then if we went out, you know, it's in our hands at this point. So, I mean, I think I mean, everyone would agree odds are in City's favor for the title at this point. And City after the winter break is when they show their quality. Every time they come out swinging. They, I mean, last year, the year before it, they score and they win nonstop after January. So they're on their normal tear. I think if City can stay healthy, then that's it. If they can start the lineup that they want to start without having to substitute in players from injury, it's in their hands. Um, going over Arsenal, you know, that fake ass team had to fall eventually. <laughs> You know, they, they got enough late game winners in the 93rd minute, the 89th minute, the 91st minute, like just clawing their way to stay in first just for the clout, just so that they could stay relevant in the conversation. What It is what it is, but it's about damn time the world sees them for who they are, which is a fake team of young players. And that's it. This is this is, this is absurd. I, yep. I will not take this abuse. This is absurd. You have been chasing our tails the entire season with your your, your blood money, and we have blood been money. The youngest blood money. Oil money. That's also a little bit dirty with the blood of you know the people that they take advantage. But you know, <laughs> blood money. We're not talking about that. Yeah. No, I mean you. You guys are, in my opinion, the best team in the world in form right now. There's no second guessing it. There is no, I'm an Arsenal through and through and that we're better than you. It's you are better than Arsenal right now, but there are 38 games in the season. And it's just a fact that Arsenal have been better for the games that we have played so far in results. That's a fact. It's the stats. Everyone said, Oh, after Arsenal won the first set of games, hadn't had a loss, best start of their English premier league history ever they're like they're gonna crumble at some point they've gone over every single obstacle and you're going to ha you're gonna have hiccups and yeah we've had some serious hiccups as of late i don't think the liverpool game was a hiccup i think we anticipated that today yes it was a hiccup but to take away or call arsenal as a big team is absolute 
malarkey. It's it's bull honky. It's whatever you want to call it in a PG world. But we are currently the youngest team in the English Premier League. Oh, and stop, we are, stop, stop. We are. Oh, come on. Dude, come no, on. Listen, you go on about the age thing. It's either you're, you're going to win the title or you're not. We're not going on about age. I don't know age. if we're going to win the title I'm tired of you Before I thought we would. I'm tired I, of it. I don't know how you can be upset about bringing that up because it's just a fact. We're the youngest and we have a brilliantly looking future. No one anticipated us to do what we're doing right now. And thank God we're doing what we're doing right now because no, none of, no one else's team is going to fucking step up against Menton City this season. So we're all lucky that Arsenal is doing it. Well, I mean, listen, Jay, it comes down to squad it. depth. That, that's what this title yeah. race will come into, which is if you absolutely hypothetically speaking, the three best players on City and Arsenal, they all get hurt. So you're you're losing Saka, Odegaard, and Martinelli. We're losing Holland, De Bruyne, and Mares. We can fill that those gaps with I wouldn't call them world class, but pretty elite players and still win these games without too much like hardship. Where you know, dude, you lose those three players, that's detrimental for Arsenal. You you know, actually, I'll throw Jesus in there because he's world class at this point. He's back, but well, we lost Jesus and we were doing well. Everyone said when we lost Jesus, we would crumble. We yeah. didn't. We James, maintained. How, first when you place. lost Jesus, you had like what six to eight point gap at the top of the table, and now he's back. Yeah, it's a two eight. point gap. Yeah, eight. yeah, it was an so eight point gap. You clearly didn't do that well without him. It was over two. It was we did very well without him. Yeah, they didn't I don't drop think any you can points. Say I don't we, think. No, we 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 absolutely destroyed the competition without him. Yep, I, we had we did what we needed to do in the winter, but we'll get into it as we go along. But one point I like to say: if you guys don't have Aaron Holland, yes, you're still a world class team, possibly the best in the world. But I don't think you're you're nearly as close to the title. Listen, if we didn't have Erling Holland, we would just right call now. up Aguero, get him back, lace him up, and we'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if his heart didn't spontaneously combust on the field, yeah, I guess that part, you know. Listen, die for three points. All right, that's it. <laughs> I think he'd just die for running small <laughs> distances. But let's uh, let's just hop into it. Let let's go in. We'll start with Kyle. I think we already know what the city side of things goes, but just go through each of the the fixtures. Give me your prediction how they're going to go for City, and then we'll go uh, we'll go to go to Arsenal next. But let's start with All City. Right. So for City. I'll just list off the order. It's Brighton, Arsenal, Fulham, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, and Brentford. The names that stick out there are Brighton, Arsenal, and Chelsea. Other than those three, I mean Fulham, but Fulham is, yeah, they're Fulham. I'm not worried about Fulham. So I think we went out, clearly, as a City fan. That's all I can say. The one game that actually worries me is Brighton. It's away, and they are in form. So I think, and that's... That's going to be tough. But other than that, I think we went out. Maybe maybe Chelsea at home worries me because Frank Lampard's their manager now. But <laughs> other than that, I think we're pretty clear. <laughs> I mean, you in, in order, you had last time you faced Brighton, you guys won 3-1. Last time you faced Arsenal, you won 3-1. Fulham was 2-1. West Ham was 2-0. Leeds was 3-1. Everton was away. Everton is now away. So you go to Goodison Park. And last time you played them, you tied 1 1. Then you beat Chelsea 4 0. So I don't care if Frank Lampard is on the pitch times 10 people. You're not going to win that. <laughs> you're not going to lose that game. And then Brentford is, is still scrappy towards your last game. It could They could be in contention for a European spot. So they're going to be very up in arms about it. It's away. 
And the last time you faced them, you guys lost two once. So I don't think you have a, a, a win out, no doubt. I think if you're playing the way you are, I would agree. Well, I mean, it's the going off momentum too. You know, if if we yeah. hadn't won the last ten, I would I would be thinking differently. It's just I just can't see the current city team dropping points to any of the teams we're about to face. With I mean, I'll backtrack on myself too. Maybe Everton can cause us problems because, like Sean said weeks ago, walking into Gutterson Park and winning is no easy task. Doesn't matter how good of a team you are, those those fans like the atmosphere it's tough mm-hmm. so i i could see that being a slight hiccup especially because we didn't beat them the first time so clearly their manager you know whether or not it changes they know what to do the players know what to do it's ingrained in them you have them finishing winning out would get which would gain them 24 points with a final point tally as 94 i personally have them tying the brighton game tying the arsenal game finishing with 20 points in the last run-in and finishing with a total points of 90. Sean, the least biased out of us, you want to run through what your prediction is for yeah. City? Yeah, so I have them winning the Arsenal game, um, and the rest of the games with the exception of Brighton away. I just think Brighton matches up well with them. They're obviously competing for, for European places as well. I think that game finishes as a draw. Um, and then moving over to Arsenal side of things, like I said, I do have them losing that game uh, away at the Etihad in uh, about 10 days' time. Um, and then winning out, uh, which unfortunately for Arsenal, uh, with that final points tally, would put uh, Man City as the victors uh, with 92 points to Arsenal's 90. Um, I've, I've kind of said it all year. I think City's going to win the league, but um, Arsenal still has that opportunity. That game on the 26th is, is obviously the, the deciding factor. Yep, big time. I know we will be, I believe we're all taking off, and we will have – We'll figure it out from there how we can do a live show or a live recording or whatever we're doing. But I believe we're all going to meet up and watch that game together, which will be exciting. It's a Wednesday, so we'll see what mood everyone is on a hump day. But I think, Sean, your your, your outline, your prediction is pretty rock solid there. For me, as an Arsenal fan, going down here, we have Southampton home, Man City away, Chelsea home, Newcastle away, Brighton home, Forest away, and Wolves home. I have them losing against uh, on my side of things i have them losing against man city i'm being pessimistic so i can be optimistically surprised pleasantly surprised rather but i don't think we win away at the at the had i think it's a must win game like you said because it is uh, but i don't think we'll do it but then i have us winning out and the only other games that would concern me is newcastle away um and and that's pretty much it brighton was always going to be a tough competitor we faced them twice this year we beat them once they beat us once in the um in a cup run uh, but it's really going to come down to, I think, the Man City and, and away game at, at Newcastle because they played the spoils uh, spoiler for us last season, too, on our top four finish, which places us at fifth. Um, so it, it is sort of in our hands and not sort of in our hands. It's it's both in City's hands and Arsenal's hands at the same time. So, James, it's for Man be, City, you predicted a tie against Arsenal, but for Arsenal, you predicted I'm a loss against that now. Man City. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I couldn't decide. I do... <laughs> I do see that now. Um, I, I, I'm hoping for a tie. I think that would be a big confidence boost. But unfortunately, I just don't see us winning in the Etihad. And so today, today sucked. Like today sucked. Like the, to tie against West Ham, I was upset for a good amount of time because I think that this was it. I think unfortunately that this is probably the pivotal point that lost us the league. I would like to remain optimistic. But as an Arsenal fan, it's the hope that kills you. 
So I would like to be surprised instead. So yeah. I still think we're one of the greatest teams in the league, the youngest team in the world. The youngest team, yep. Bro, you know Southampton is younger than you, right? They're literally younger. Oh, than now you. they are. Yes, they are. They are. But no, but they're not going to be in the English Premier League. Yeah, okay. because young so teams. If you want to just say know. that they don't exist, I'm cool with that because they stink. But well, I just the, think that well, was the U18 a, a... teams are also younger, but they they don't they don't not not really they don't compete. Well, James, that's why I have you guys losing or at the very least tying to the Wolves on the last day of the season. That's an absurd. That's absurd. You the, just well, the last episode we were on, you said that the Wolves are going to be relegated because fuck you guys. I think your answer was because fuck you Wolves, you're going down. If you have the attacking power that you have, you can't score goals, you're going down. I agree. And now you have Diogo Costa them. scored though. He did, but I he still think fucking, they're going down. Yeah, but what this comes down to, this is right not spot. about the Wolves being great. This is about Arsenal being so young and coming into the last day when, <laughs> you know, it could potentially still matter. And they're just going to fall apart like little babies because they're, you know, the youngest team and they're not going to be able to handle the pressure. They haven't been there yet and they're going to collapse in the face of the Wolves. I'm telling if, you. If, if we lose or tie against the Wolves on the last day, Kyle, I will for a week straight wear a Man City jersey underneath my work clothes. I love that. If we lose against the, uh, uh, if we lose against the Wolves, I will send you. Week. I will send you the jersey. <laughs> Good. Well, shit, guys. <laughs> I kind of figured this part of the conversation wouldn't give me any warm and fuzzies, uh, but I anticipated it. But ultimately, it looks like the EPL state of mind is projecting Man City to win the league. It's not over yet, but that is, that is, I guess, our unformal, formal prediction here. Kyle, you can go, you know what, yourself, and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. But that is a wrap on the title race segment of this week. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a completely different discussion in two weeks as Man City does not play this week uh, due to their uh, Champions League football. Their game has been postponed. Um, so we'll see what happens there. And that's with Brighton. It also depends on when they decide to throw that game into the, into the, you know, into the queue. So maybe that has a, a hopeful effect for me, but I doubt it. So we're going to kind of wrap up here in a minute with the look ahead. We'll talk about the Champions League games that are coming up. It is the second leg. So the magic, magical moment of the tournament are, is upon us. So we'll see who can kind of conquer those fears and adversities that they now have sitting either behind or ahead. And we'll talk about a couple of to, uh, to look for games coming up in EPL. So stay tuned. Champions League football is back in action starting on Tuesday. Uh, we got two exciting games coming up, both pretty close still. I think one will probably not be as close as it is right now. But Kyle, why don't you take uh, take Tuesday's, Tuesday's matches and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so we have Milan versus Napoli coming up. Napoli being my favorite team in Italy. I'm going to root for them. So we're going to call a 2-0 win by Napoli. Uh, Osamen will be back, which will be huge. He's one of you know the best strikers they have on Napoli. So I think that's going to be detrimental for him. And it's at Napoli, so we're talking about Italian soccer here. The fans are the actual 12th man on those teams. They go absolutely out of their minds. So I, that's a huge advantage for them. Uh, moving on to the other game, we have Chelsea at Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge. 
I, I could honestly see a zero zero game here. It's just going to not be a fun game to watch. It's going to be <laughs> Chelsea playing crazy offense, making a lot of mistakes and Real Madrid laughing in their faces and taking the ball away. So uh, I think Madrid advances. I hope Napoli advances. That's going to be my, my calls mm-hmm. there. We'll see. We'll see. I think uh, Real Madrid will definitely get at least one in with the talent that they have. And Chelsea, you know, had a respectable first game. I'm not going to lie, especially with 10 men. Um, I, I anticipate them to win or lose by a lot more, but we'll see. And you can never uh, count Chelsea out right now with who's because of Frank Lampard. Yeah, absolutely. Not. Because of Frank Lampard. Yeah. Yeah. Saw that one. Wednesday's games are another uh, a different story. We have Inter versus Benfica. Uh, this is at uh, Stadio Giuseppe Meza, uh, and that is Inter's home court. Inter currently is up 2 nothing in aggregate. If there was a game, I think, for Champions League magic, because Benfica is not a bad side. Inter is definitely in form and performing very well in Serie A, but Benfica is a very good team as well. I think if there's a game for Champions League chaos and magic, it could be this one with Benfica making a bit of a run towards the end here. Uh, but ultimately, Inter finds themselves in relatively good position, especially being at home. Another team that finds them themselves in relatively good position in our league here and in the Champions League now is Man City. Uh, they did a bit of a shocker win, 3 nothing against Bayern. I think uh, they definitely deserve the W. Uh, I think a lot of people were shocked that they won 3 nothing. Uh, so at this point, I think it's just too large of a deficit for Bayern Munich, especially with Thomas Tuchel coming in and not hitting it a home run right off the bat. As you mentioned before, Kyle, they were kind of must-win games for him. Uh, I think Bayern Munich will bow out of the competition relatively early again. And that brings us to the English side of things with our cup games this weekend and the regular match week 33, right? Or 30, yeah, what are we, 33, 32? Something like that. Take it away, Sean. What you got? Yeah, so obviously the FA Cup semifinals are this weekend. Uh, Two decimated Manchester United and Brighton sides. Obviously, we've talked about the Varane and uh, Martinez injuries. Obviously, also for Brighton without Lalana, without Evan Ferguson. Um, so that one will be a little bit disappointing because some of the best and, and most exciting players in that matchup won't be fit, uh, but still should be a good game at Old Trafford. And then uh, you have David versus Goliath, Man City, Sheffield United at the Etihad um, this weekend as well. As we talked about a couple weeks back, actually the two best players for Sheffield United, James McAtee and Tommy Doyle, are not eligible to play because they are on loan from Man City. Um, and there is a rule stating that you cannot play against your your home club or your you know, the people that own your rights, essentially, uh, while you're out on loan. Um, so I would say, you know, the Blades already had a, a difficult hill to to climb, you know, top that off by losing their two best players. Um, that's tough. Um, and then shifting over to the Premier League, I would say the, the two big games that stand out to me are Newcastle versus Spurs at St. James's Park. Uh, Newcastle has been phenomenal at home this season. Just one loss at home to Liverpool. Um, so this, this is a, a big opportunity. And, and kind of a deciding point for Tottenham if, if they really are going to finish top four. They pretty much have to take points in this game. Um, and then the other game I want to talk about is Brentford versus Villa. We talked about Villa earlier in the show. They've been phenomenal. Brentford have kind of slid back a little bit. They're now in eighth place. So if they want to get into those, you know, either Europa League or Conference League spots, this game is huge for them as well. 
But um, I'll turn it over to Kyle in the lock of the week. But uh, those are the games that I'll be looking forward to this week. All right. So I am currently sitting in fat last place for locks of the week at one and three. So we're going to take this one a little safe. We're going to call a parlay with Arsenal winning and Saka having an assist in the game. That is my call for the week. All right. I like that. Saka had one of his most poor performances of the season so far, in my opinion. And that's not characteristic of him. I think he's going to come out hungry. He's got something to prove that that was a fluke last week. I think Saka is going to have quite the game, at least one goal contribution for an Arsenal win. All right. I won't say you picked probably the safest bet out there. I think Arsenal are favorite minus 535 to Southampton's 1,300 for victory. <laughs> so if you, if you don't get this, I'm just going to start fading every single one of your bets. Um, and and we'll see how it goes from there. Well, but thank you. I, you, I appreciate, you should, I appreciate then my bets the win. hit. Because you're you're yeah, cursed for some reason it. where your bets will never hit. So just start betting against <laughs> me and I'll my be fine. Hit, I hit my my lock of the week hit this week. <laughs> Crystal Palace was was a fat dub. That puts me right on on Sean's tails. I'm two and two. He's three and one. So right now I think we got a good spread. Do Sean, we have, you're, you're do we have really some type well. of uh, reward for whoever has the most lock of the week wins at the end of the season? Some That's type of question. bet going. We, we could we could out. figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah, you know, if, if yeah. anyone wants to comment on one of our posts and, and let us know if there's a good punishment for last place and reward for first place, that that would go a long way. I think that's a great poll to throw up there. We'll let the we'll let the fans decide what you'll have to do at the end of the season, <laughs> Kyle. I yeah. think that's uh-huh. a good idea. Uh-huh. Well, Kyle, my man, it was great to have you back. Uh, unfortunately for me, I think it was in a week that Arsenal are bowing out a bit and Man City are really thriving. Sean. Stay strong, my friend. You have a game tomorrow to look forward to. Uh, other than that, everyone here at the EPL State of Mind, as always, appreciates the listen, comments, and the feedback. Again, thank you, everybody. When you are ready to be in the EPL State of Mind, you know exactly where to find us. So until next week, everyone enjoy the remainder of your weekend and your week.